You're listening to the Recoveredish Podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist, Amanda E. White. Hi, welcome back. I'm so excited to get into this episode today. This is going to be all about Barbie. I went to see Barbie, the movie over the weekend, and I just had a lot of thoughts. I know a lot of you all online have been having thoughts and opinions too, and I thought it would just be a really great opportunity for us to talk about womanhood and body image and femininity and the patriarchy and all of these things that are really intertwined with our mental health. As always, this conversation is going to be very nuanced. I don't have a lot of hot definitive takes. I think that there are a lot of contradictions within Barbie, within the movie, within womanhood and femininity and feminism in general. I also want to give a little caveat that when I go through this episode, I'm going to be very much talking in heteronormative terms. I'm going to be using the word women and men and femininity and womanhood and what a woman quote unquote is supposed to look like. And that is because I tried to re-record this episode a couple times, changing some of the language, making it gender neutral. It's a nuanced, hard conversation to talk about. So please give me some grace in this. I try to be as non-heteronormative as I can, but it's difficult when we're talking about something like Barbie and the patriarchy and we're talking about history and, you know, in the 1950s and things like that. So please just know that that's the context going in. I love everyone who's non-binary. I believe trans women are women. So there won't be any spoilers in this episode. I'm not going to share anything that has already been out there as like the general plot of the Barbie movie, but I do want to share one quote that's really powerful. So if you want to just skip forward 30 seconds, if you don't want to hear the quote that works and then next episode next week i will break down the actual movie and it'll go into the spoilers and things like that so hopefully that'll give you some time to see the movie within the next week or you can just come back to that episode i wanted to start by america ferrera who is one of the main characters she's not a barbie but she is a main character in the movie talks about something that i just think really encapsulates this whole conversation So her character's name is Gloria, and she says, It is literally impossible to be a woman. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you have to never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not be so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful, but never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You can never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything's your fault. I'm so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that is also true for a doll representing women, then I don't even know. So I really think that last line really sums it up. Like it sums up that Barbie isn't just a doll, it's not just a brand. What I think makes Barbie so unique and so complicated, I guess, 
is that she's an entity that we project onto. Barbie has the same problems, you could say, as being a woman because they're not separate from us. Barbie is a representation of being a woman and she's a representation of what womanhood is in the Western world. And that's because Barbie isn't just a doll. She has always been, since her conception, this modern idea, this figure, this icon. So much of what we believe about Barbie is really projected onto her because All of the things we believe, all the things we're grappling about with being a woman in this society, with femininity, with beauty, with the patriarchy, with ambition and women, all of these things are projected onto her. And it really sums up, I think, why Barbie is so complicated and controversial. Also, because she's a metaphor, it is also a really interesting way that you can kind of chart and observe how culture has changed. And there are is correlation between how we understand women and women's rights and all of that throughout the years. Because it comes down to this. This is exactly what America Ferrero was saying. Until there is not critique for just existing as a woman, until women are not constantly critiqued for not being enough, for being too much, for be a woman but not like that, which is essentially what that speech is saying, people will always have a problem with Barbie because it will be Barbie be inspiring, but not like that. Barbie be a career woman, but not like that. Barbie be this inspiration for girls, but not like that. Be feminine, but not like that. There will always be a limitation. There will always be a critique to Barbie as long as there is this dominating critique to be a woman. And especially this is even more complicated being a woman of color because there are even more landmines to navigate. That all being said, this whole podcast is a critique of Barbie and the way that it's impacted us as women growing up and how it influences little girls and just some of the changes that have been made to Barbie and how they've kind of been late to the game. And I'm going to break down some of the history of it and how it's impacted our mental health and body image. So I'm very clear. I'm. It's not lost on me that I'm saying this, but also this is going to be a critique of Barbie. And I think it's really important because Barbie isn't a person. Barbie is a product. While we can look at it as a metaphor, the best interpretation of Barbie, the best case scenario, is that this doll also paves positive change for women and girls. And it's not just a reflection of the times, but it also can spur change forward. And that is kind of my main critique. This monologue is amazing in the movie, but it's also not shocking. I think for a lot of us, Um, this is not a new concept. The idea of a double bind has existed for a while. The idea of just how impossible things are has really existed. And I think especially if you're on social media, you've seen that, but there was something really powerful about seeing it in a movie and having it as a major plot line of the movie. When adults talk about Barbie, they aren't talking about the classic doll that many of us gripped as eight-year-olds. They're talking about gender roles and white supremacy and body image and beautiness. And I think Barbie symbolically gets caught up in that. I think every woman struggles with how her appearance defines her. You can worry that you won't be taken seriously because you're too pretty. You won't be taken seriously because you're not pretty enough. It's a whole culture that we're talking about. And Barbie becomes the lightning rod. Barbie becomes the vector. 
Barbie ever have been uncontroversial? I don't think so, because for the past 50 years, femininity has been a contested space. So with that being said, let's back up and chart how we got to where we are today. And we can kind of explore a little bit of the history that will provide good context for how we got here and what some of the positive things Barbie has done, but also what some of the flaws are and some of the questionable decisions I think Mattel, the toy company, made. Barbie was created in 1959 by a woman named Ruth Handler. Her husband owned a toy company, and that was how kind of the production of it started. Barbie was really unique at the time of her inception. It was She was really revolutionary because up until that point, the only dolls that girls played with were baby dolls, which reinforced this idea that girls grew up to be women whose primary role was to take care of children and be in the home. And I think that what's really interesting about toys and art and, and culture in general and why I think they're really interesting is art is this representation of where our culture is at as a society. It's like a commentary or a critique sometimes, but it also then has the ability to influence us in the current and the future times. So I think that is really what is so nuanced and complicated about Barbie. So she was revolutionary at the time. I think one of the issues is that she didn't quite keep evolving with culture um, because I think Mattel at some point became more focused on preserving the like iconic Barbie look and making sure that all of the ways that you play with Barbie through her clothes all fitting on other Barbies and fitting in the car in the right way and all of those things, I think that they chose that over continuing to push the envelope and really actually be what they said they were, which was a doll that was for empowering young girls and women and moving the culture forward. So she was created in 1959 and it wasn't until... 2016 that Mattel changed the body types and we saw four different iterations of Barbie. There's regular Barbie, there's tall Barbie, there's petite Barbie, and then there's curvy Barbie. And unfortunately, curvy Barbie still is, I believe, only a size eight. So she's not really that curvy. Um, And that is a very fair critique. She was created in 1959, but it took eight years for Mattel to come out with a Barbie or any doll, I should say, that had different colored skin. In 1967, Francie was created who had slightly darker skin and was Barbie's friend. And then also along with Francie was Christy who had darker skin and was supposed to be Barbie's black friend. And this may not seem like a big difference, but this detail really, really matters. Finally, in 1980, they did actually have, they started having iterations of actual Barbie that was black Barbie or a different skin type of Barbie that wasn't just given a different name. It was actually a black Barbie. And we know that based on research that there is a lot of negative impact that happens on children who play with dolls that don't look like them. And what makes Barbie unique compared to baby dolls or even other dolls is Barbie has become the symbol of an adult woman that girls project their futures onto. And when there aren't Barbies that are women of color, 
It really impacts girls of color's ability to imagine their future and project their life onto it and dream of what they want to be because that was Barbie's whole message. What was so revolutionary about Barbie was that Barbie is never married. Barbie is not a mother. There is a Barbie called Skipper who is Barbie's younger sister. There was a Barbie in the 60s called Midge who was Barbie's friend, does have children, and she was discontinued after that. But Barbie was originally just Barbie. Ken wasn't even created for a couple years after that. And that was only as a response to the critique that Barbie needed a boyfriend. So it is interesting in the movie, there are some of these parallels and Greta Gerwig, if you read any like info about what she says, like there are some of these parallels, some religious parallels of kind of like the opposite of the creation story of Adam and Eve, where In this world, Barbie was created first, and then Ken was only created as an afterthought, as an accessory to Barbie versus him being his own person. And I would say one of the best things about Barbie is that she wasn't defined by Ken. Barbie had her own careers. She, in the 60s, she went to the moon. Before Neil Armstrong went to the moon, Barbie was on the moon. Barbie was a doctor and a lawyer and all of these different things. She was a career woman. Barbie could be anything. And as a result, it really felt like Barbie's mission was to inspire young girls that they could be anything and do anything they wanted with their lives as well. Barbie had her dream house before women were even allowed to have credit cards at the time, which was really how Barbie kind of became this feminist icon. But I think that things get a little sticky because if Barbie can do anything and she's supposed to be inspiring all these young girls to dream big and have these big ambitions, the problem is is that a lot of us who were raised in that in the 90s, our parents still occupied pretty traditional gender roles. So what I think has happened is that a lot of women as a result now do work, and this is partly, I don't, I'm not saying Barbie caused this, but I think that part of it is We were told we could be anything we wanted. So a lot of us did want careers, are ambitious. I mean, I can't even get into, I could do a whole episode, right, on like the finances of how difficult it is to be a single family income household these days and have children because of everything going on in our country and the housing crisis. But that is a different episode. So we were raised with this idea that we could be anything we wanted, but also we still were raised in this very stereotypical gendered household. So as a result, a lot of women, I think, have grown up and feel this pressure to do it all, to have an amazing house, be an amazing parent, be successful at work, and be successful in every single aspect of your life. If you look into the research, there's so much research that's been done about just how inequitable and how even if both parents do work outside the home, the woman does more housework, more child rearing, If one parent stays home and the other doesn't, the woman still does more housework and child rearing compared to the husband if if he works. So there's a lot there. And my point is that I think that Barbie along the way has kind of shifted from you can be anything you want, this inspiring doll, to you have to do it all. And look at all the things Barbie has done, so you need to do it too. So I want to give it a little bit and now get into some of the research and the concerns about Barbie and body image. Barbie, when she was originally created, she's been modified and tweaked a little bit 
over the years since her inception in 1959. The biggest change happened in 2016, as I said, where they came out with a couple different frames of Barbie with curvy, original, tall, and petite. But the most common Barbie, the one that you grew up in the 80s, 90s, that you probably grew up with, that Barbie has been criticized very rightfully so for just her proportions being really off and being really unrealistic. And that is really where, because Mattel hadn't changed the proportions until 2016, a lot of the research that exists were done on Barbies prior to that change. So I do want to be clear, we don't have a ton of updated information on how the new Barbies impact girls. So the Barbie that we grew up with has pretty impossible proportions. Her head is way too big for her neck. It wouldn't be able to hold up. Her breasts are incredibly big that people say she would tip over. Her waist is so narrow. Her organs wouldn't fit in it. Her feet and ankles are so small, it wouldn't support the weight. So there's been this critique that if Barbie, you know, existed, she would have anorexia. She wouldn't even be able to walk upright. When I dug into the research about the new Barbie proportions, it does seem like the curvy Barbie is a size eight. The original Barbie is a size two. The tall Barbie is a size four. The petite Barbie is a size zero slash two. Mattel, the toy company, has said that the the dolls aren't meant to reflect real life proportions and they don't release the exact proportions, but you can figure it out based on kind of multiplying what their measurements are and putting them into full scale. I think they were a bit late to the game. And I think unfortunately, because of that, they were more responding to the market. They didn't really do that change until people weren't buying Barbies as much and there was a big tank in sales. And I think that that is unfortunate because I think it does reflect that Mattel wasn't really interested in this topic until their sales took a financial hit. But it's also a reminder to us that if we care about something, voting with our dollars is really powerful. So there is a lot of very rightful, very true and important critique about how we are giving this doll to young girls and saying this is the ideal and this is what they are kind of projecting their hopes, their dreams, their future fantasies of an adult onto and that this is the expectation that they then have of who they are supposed to be like and how it influences them. So regardless of public perception, I think it's really important that we actually dig into the research of what's going on before we jump to these conclusions. So I'm going to break down some of the best research articles that we have on the topic. And I want you to keep in mind that all of these came out before Mattel switched in 2016 to some of the different size types of Barbies. The major study that people cite that says that Barbies don't impact body image of young girls is the study that was done in 2010 with girls that were ages 6 to 10. They were exposed to Barbie dolls, average size dolls called Esme, which I guess is a doll that's made off of the average woman. And then they also were given a neutral toy like Legos and they measured their body image afterwards and they also served them a meal and it impacted how much they ate. What's interesting about the study is that it didn't show that it impacted their body image. It didn't show that they felt worse about themselves, but the girls that played with Barbie dolls or thinner dolls ate significantly less than the girls that played with Esme, the larger doll. So I do think that while you can say that it doesn't impact their body image, maybe if they're eating less, that is still definitely correlated and important. Interestingly, another study showed that 
while young girls also aren't impacted by playing with Barbie dolls, if you have college-age girls play with Barbie dolls, they are impacted and their body image is worse after playing with Barbie dolls. Some people have argued that that's because by the time you're in college or you're older, you have a deeper understanding of what a Barbie is. People argued that it's because of what Barbie represents compared to the actual doll. So there are different ways you can interpret that. And then other research says that there's a difference between if kids played with the dolls versus if they looked at images of Barbie. So this study was done with girls ages five to eight and I think that it's really interesting because it shows that there is an impact on when you're looking at Barbie. And it's significant because the girls that were exposed to these images not only reported that they had lower self-esteem, but it also decreased their satisfaction with their current body. And it was even more pronounced among six and a half to seven-year-olds as it was from five and a half to six and a half-year-olds. So that one year seems to make a difference just in terms of girls understanding what it is to be thin, understanding the thin ideal. And I think it's really interesting. So this study was also unique because it focused on such young girls where a lot of the other research focused on adolescents. And the researchers of this study think that The reason maybe some of the other studies didn't get statistical relevant changes in the girls who saw Barbie or played with Barbies later is because by that point, they already understand what the thin ideal is. They already know what they're supposed to look like or have internalized the idea that thin is better. So as a result, Barbie doesn't impact that because that's already set in their minds. So I think at best what we can say from all this research and just I look through tons of articles, I talked to a couple people to see what their kind of read on the articles were. And I think what's so hard about this research is that it's really impossible because Barbie is such a worldwide phenomenon. She has incredible brand recognition, more than like the Queen of England and a lot of other people. It is really impossible to dissect what is actually the impact of playing with a Barbie or what is actually just the media and the thin ideal that the media puts on Barbie and Barbie kind of represents. It goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of this episode, which is that Barbie is this icon. She is this metaphor for all of women's issues and struggles. So it's impossible really to separate out between is Barbie causing these problems or is she just a representative of what is already going on in our culture, in our world? There's also been studies that show that what actually impacts girls more than playing with Barbies is actually parents' attitudes, especially their moms, about their own bodies, how they talk about themselves, how they talk about other people. Even if parents or moms don't talk about their child's body negatively or do the kind of almond mom thing where they try to control how they eat and things like that, if they talk negatively about their own body, it sends the subliminal message to young girls to be afraid of looking like their mom, to be, to understand that being in a certain body type is not good, thinner is preferable, all of that kind of stuff. So it's just a really nuanced, messy topic. And I think people want a clear answer and they want a specific thing to blame to say, you know, Barbie is causing all these problems. We ban Barbie. We fix all these problems. But it's a lot more complicated than that. 
If you look at brat stalls, those are even more, those have even more criticism because they have faces that are honestly have a lot more heavy makeup. They, people have said that they look like they have lip injections critique on that too. I think they're even thinner than Barbie's. And really in Barbie's inception, the reason that Ruth created Barbie was to be this blank slate essentially where young girls could project their future selves onto her. And I think that it's interesting too, because you can even get into the research of Elsa is a really, really popular doll or all of these dolls that have stories attached to them as well. I think the best and the worst part of Barbie is that she has no personality. She is all of these things. So she can mean so many different things to so many different people. You can't pin her down. She's a president. She's an astronaut. She's a gymnast. She's an ice skater. She is all of these different things, which is the best part, right? That little girls can then imagine themselves doing anything that they want. But also as a result, she can be this metaphor and this symbol for tons of critique because you can't say what Barbie is or isn't when she is everything. And I think that's distinct from a doll that has a backstory. Like Elsa, for example, there's a specific backstory that she has based on the movies that then is projected onto Elsa. And that is one of the interesting things also, I think, that can make Barbie really powerful is that she's not constrained by a story, which gives kids more freedom to imagine themselves in Barbie. It's much harder. Girls can imagine themselves being Elsa, but there is a limitation to the plot line of Elsa. That's all really interesting. The other research that's interesting too is just how much, because again, I don't, we don't know if it's just Barbies teaching them this or dolls that are thin teaching girls this, or if it's also just a reflection of the current culture, which does prioritize thinness above all. Some of what's been measured is that when you give girls different sized dolls, they will make fun of and talk about the dolls that are in larger bodies. They will call the dolls fat. They will say they are more likely to assign negative stereotypes to the dolls. And that's a really interesting thing too that I know the Hulu documentary was talking about because Mattel kind of went into their fears about that as well. So all this to say, it's just really hard to decipher between what Barbie is causing versus what Barbie is receiving and whether not allowing your children to have Barbies is really going to do anything. I am a parent myself. I have a young daughter. She's not old enough to play with Barbies yet. But as I think about all this, I think What's hard is that Barbie is such an icon that your child is going to have a relationship with Barbie whether you give her a Barbie or not. Because Barbie is so iconic, there's no way that your child won't interact with Barbies in some way at someone's house, in media, through a movie, through a book. In some way, Barbie is so iconic, there's always going to be a relationship there. So you not exposing them to a Barbie or not buying them a Barbie isn't necessarily going to insulate them either from having a negative relationship with their body just because they don't have a Barbie. And I think that's what's hard is as parents, you want to be able to be given a set of rules or understand you want simple research so that you know what to do to protect your child. And it's not that simple. Instead, what they've really found is one of the best things that you can do with your child is not say negative things about your own body if you're a parent. Obviously not say negative things about their bodies, but also not comment on 
other people's bodies, even if it's just watching a movie or reading a magazine or just not even commenting on celebrities or anyone's body, even in passing, kids are always observing and paying attention. And at the end of the day, parents have spent a lot more time with their kids over the course of their life than a Barbie does, especially a Barbie that doesn't talk. So I think we always have to go back to that as well. I don't think that there is a right answer if you don't want to give your child a Barbie. I think you absolutely have a right to do that. I'm not demonizing that that's the wrong choice, but I think you also have to be really clear that that's not a solution to everything. That won't solve body image problems. There's a lot of work that has to be done around your education as a parent as well, and it still can't prevent necessarily your child from developing an eating disorder or having poor self-body image. It is why I'm such a huge fan of intuitive eating, which I could do a whole episode on as well, and really not demonizing foods, not labeling foods as good or bad, and really allowing and not using food and especially dessert as a reward because it separates food into different categories and makes one thing better than the other. But I also want to talk about, you know, I I also saw some really interesting research that said that when we focus too much on Barbie's image and when we get really caught up in, are her proportions realistic? Is she good enough for her to play with our child? We're almost making her about her body, which is the antithesis of feminism and exactly what we're trying to get away from. And I saw this really great quote by Ruth, create. she was the creator of Barbie, and she said, when we're dissecting Barbie's dimensions, we're missing the point of the doll. And she explained that my whole philosophy of Barbie was that through the doll, the little girl could be anything she wanted to be. Barbie represented the fact that a woman had choices. And I think that that's important too, because I can see a critique that by us focusing so much on Barbie's proportions and whether she's realistic or not and what her impact is that we're kind of doing the same thing that we do to women. We're we're maybe making a problem into something that's not because it could be argued, I can say. I mean, again, this is what's so hard because it's subliminal messaging, so it's hard to measure, but I can say as a child playing with Barbies, I didn't have a concept or think about whether Barbie was thin or not. I didn't really focus on her proportions. I didn't think about whether she was realistic or not. Instead, she really became a way for me to use my imagination and act out what I potentially wanted in my future. I was obsessed with the ice skater doll because I was obsessed with Tara Lipinski and being an ice skater. And that was a way for me to project that onto her. So I do think that it's interesting that through worrying so much about Barbie, we are almost objectifying her. But at the end of the day, Barbie is a doll, not a person. So it is okay for us to critique and objectify her, especially if she is having an impact on young girls and their body image and their food behaviors and self-esteem. But I think the really more important question is, do girls learn about body image from playing with dolls or do they learn about it from a bunch of other factors and Barbie is just one of those factors? Do they just project what they already know onto Barbie? That could be a possibility too. So until we can figure that out, I don't think that there is necessarily enough evidence to say the girls shouldn't play with Barbies. I think instead we need to focus on our own behaviors and changing the broader culture at large. What I do know is that objectification is one of these issues. And I think we can also 
be mindful as parents to not objectify Barbie in front of our daughters or teach her how to objectify Barbie or other individuals or women. Because ultimately, when someone is objectified, when we are treating their body like an object and that is so much more likely to happen in women compared to men, there's incredible resources out there. One of them is a documentary called Killing Us Softly, where Jean Kilborn talks all about how women's bodies are much more likely to be disassembled in media, like especially in advertising. Women's legs are more likely to be just displayed, like they're hacked for parts. Her arms, her feet, these specific parts of her body, as though she isn't a human, she is just a body or a body part. Compared to men, they are much more likely to be shown as whole. And this is particularly damaging because not only when we objectify someone, we start treating them as not a human, but an object. And it is one of the first steps in dehumanizing someone, which we know can lead to violence. So objectification is what I think is really important for us to focus on because when we also objectify women, we teach girls how to objectify themselves. Self-objectification is developed as a response to being objectified or knowing that women and girls are objectified. If you're a woman listening to this podcast, if you think about how you learned how to surveil your body at all times, it is because you listen to other people survey women and you turned that inward and it became an internalized self-objectification. If you don't know what that is, that's the voice in your head that says, how do I look in this? You're sucking in your stomach. You're imagining someone is looking at you even when you're alone and judging you for how you look. It's the idea that you can't go somewhere without makeup. You sit differently because you don't want your stomach to protrude in a certain way. You're body checking. You're looking at your cellulite. You're trying to hide all of these normal human features of yourself because you don't see yourself as a human being as a whole. You see yourself as your body and as a sum of your parts. And it is fascinating if you look at the research too, Even if you look at the difference between boys' and girls' clothes, boys' clothes are often really made to move. They have shorts, they're baggier, they're more flexible, where girls' clothes restrict play in some ways. Like dresses are not very conducive to playing. And even we can go into dress codes where when we teach girls that they are the problem, that they are tempting boys and men because of how they dress, we are placing responsibility on women to change themselves for the comfort of someone else. Instead of teaching boys and men to be responsible for their own thoughts or urges, there's a really great quote that I want to read you. I talk about this in my book, Not Drinking Tonight, but they also have an incredible book. It's Lindsay and Lexi Kite. Their account on Instagram is called Beauty Redefined, and their book is called More Than a Body. Your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And they really talk about how women see themselves as bodies first human second. All right. So they say girls learn the most important thing about themselves is how they look. Boys learn the most important thing about girls is how they look. Girls look at themselves. Boys look at girls. Girls are held responsible for boys looking. Girls change how they look. Boys keep looking. The problem isn't how girls look. The problem is how everyone looks at girls. Solve the problem by teaching everyone that girls don't exist to be looked at. So as the parent of a girl, one of the best things you can do is teach your daughter that there are way more important things than just how she looks. And instead, really focusing on 
she is more than a body. And like they say, her body is an instrument, not an ornament. It's an instrument for her to be able to live life and do what she wants to do. And bodies change and that's inevitable. We will all age. Our bodies will all deteriorate. And if we just focus on how beautiful or cute or pretty girls are, they will continue to be objectified. They will continue to be viewed as bodies first, humans second. And in their book, they talk about what do you do if your daughter asks you, do you look pretty? And you can absolutely say yes, but also it's so powerful to really reinforce and tell her that she is more than how she looks. She is compassionate. She's kind. She's hardworking. She's all these other characteristics and have her try to focus less on how she looks. Because if we just tell girls all the time and constantly reassure them, you're pretty, no, you don't look fat, we're creating this environment where they are reassured that they're okay only because they look acceptable. And as a result, they're in this state of constantly surveying themselves to make sure they don't look fat or they don't look ugly so that they can continue to be accepted. Instead of just constantly reassuring us and instead of this whole idea of everybody is a good body, if we can start breaking into your body is just something that you have that allows you to live your life and focusing less on everyone needs to love their body and this idea of body positivity and really shifting to body neutrality. You don't have to love your body to be successful. Many men don't love their bodies and they're still successful. They just know that they're way more than a body. And that's why they're not so obsessed with how they look compared to women. Even if your daughter is gorgeous and beautiful, and let's say that she's complimented all the time, continuing to focus on that will only reinforce that she has to stay that way to maintain her worth. That is what's so damaging about being seen as only a body is that Like I said, your body changes. We all deteriorate over time. And if our worth is solely tied to what we look like, we will inevitably lose it. Just like if our worth is tied to how people perceive us, we will inevitably be disappointed. Instead, we need to learn how to have confidence and esteem from the inside so that we're not overly dependent or reliant on someone else saying something to us and assuring us that we're good enough. And really talking instead about the function of her body, the function of your body, how there's a reason that we have fat on our bodies, what cellulite is, that fat isn't an indicator of healthy or not. Because if we keep responding as though you're not fat or it's mean to call someone fat, we are putting this descriptor on fat as something that is bad rather than it is just a neutral descriptor. Some bodies are fat, some bodies are smaller, all bodies come in different shapes and sizes, but there's no morality on your body type and your body size because being in one body or another we're trying to teach isn't better. Obviously, I know in the moment it is more difficult and we're fighting against complex issues in our society, but I think that this is like the absolute most powerful way to handle it and to really focus on body neutrality. Bodies are meant to support our life and it's not about how we look. We need to focus more on 
who we are and what we're doing. And in that respect, while Barbie is very, very much objectified and is beautiful, you could say, I really want to focus on the possibilities that Barbie can provide for kids. And that is why I'm really glad that Mattel changed their Barbies. I think there's still work to be done. I think that it is not the end by any means. I would love to see an even wider array of Barbies and Barbie sizes. And I know Mattel said that they couldn't make a wider range because then clothes wouldn't fit. But I think that the market is responding. There are other dolls on the market that are different body shapes and sizes. I think, yes, children may still say that this Barbie is fat or that Barbie isn't good. That's what they're reflecting in the culture. And I think as our culture changes, I hope that the response to to Barbies being in different sizes will shift us forward. And also maybe eventually we'll be able to celebrate diversity of body types. So that is my assessment of Barbie. This is part one. Next week, I'm going to go into specifically the movie and the themes that I think that it was exploring there. This was more of just an overview of Barbie and body image and some of the things that I'm thinking about as a therapist and a woman and a parent with a daughter. So I hope you loved this episode. If you did, it would make my day if you gave me a good review or five stars or shared it with someone. It really helps spread the word on the podcast. And yeah, we'll be we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. To suggest an episode topic or support my work, visit amandaewhite.com. If you're interested in getting therapy from my practice, visit therapyforwomencenter.com. We're based in Philadelphia, but we have therapists serving 27 states across the country. 